Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're watching Leafs Morning Take with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosen. The show starts now. Presented by Botano, it's time for the Thursday edition of Leafs Morning Take. And we're, we're feeling quite jovial on this Thursday because the Maple Leafs beat the Winnipeg Jets. A shutout victory. We're going to talk about that and much more coming up. It's Nick Alberga and Jay Rosa. What's going on, Rosie? Not much. Same old. Just kind of reevaluating that snooze fest that happened yesterday. I didn't see that coming, man. I knew, you know, maybe the Winnipeg Jets would be putting on a bit of a defensive effort, but. Uh, Odd one, man. 0-0 overtime. Not a ton of scoring chances. Kind of an ugly start and some couple weird things going on for the Leafs. But uh, a night for Sammy anyway, that's for sure. You can't quote me on this, but I can't recall the last one nothing game this year, at least specifically in the NHL. And if you were to ask me to wager money on the Maple Leafs being involved in that game, I would have called you crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, nevertheless, I mean, that is one of the sell points of the game is a Maple Leafs under hit uh, for the first time in ever, it seems. But a very defensive-minded game, great goaltending. So looking forward to getting to that. Uh, Dave Pignota, the fourth period, is going to drop by in about 25 minutes or so. We're going to uh, break down this one. He was at the game at Scotiabank Arena. We're going to talk about the trade market, Ryan Reeves, uh, you know Sheldon Keith's leash. We're going to cover everything with Dave Pignota. But I want to start off today's show by getting your thoughts on what transpired um, in Florida, in Sunrise, the Florida Panthers, the Arizona Coyotes getting together the first time since uh, January 2nd. And uh, the Nick Cousins boarding on, on Jason Zucker and the return of stage fighting, man. we got two scraps in the first, like, two face-offs of that game. Yeah, that was wild. You haven't seen that in, uh, in a little while, but... Uh... You know, two teams that have uh, a, a bit of uh, a bit of grit to them for sure, and uh, you know, some retribution was paid. Some guys weren't happy. Some guys wanted to uh, take care of business, and they did a couple of times there off the opening draw. You don't see that all the time, but um, kind of uh, kind of like to see it still exist once in a while. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Well, it's funny. Like five years ago, it's like the the. The MO of the league was to get stage fighting out of the league. But I, I think it just adds, like, I mean, we all knew what was happening, Rosie. Like, I watched the beginning of that game, and I saw the fourth lines of both sides starting that. Like, we knew what was happening. I think both under both coaches understood the assignment, too, given what transpired, like, two weeks ago, no? Yes, it's, uh, I don't know, it's... I think the coaches go put guys out there, but one guy just to kind of protect and then, oh, well, I'm not going to leave my guys hanging. So another guy and all of a sudden you got your, you know, your big fourth line out there. And, you know, it, the, the stage fighting needed to leave around that, you know, 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12 era. Um, even while I was in the league doing that role, I wasn't a big fan of it. I wanted it to, you know, the best ones are organic and ones that come out of, uh, you know, out of passion and out of intensity in the corners and, and whatnot. But I mean, the stage fighting is gone. It's not 
a problem anymore. So if something needs to be taken care of or addressed or a team feels the need to do something like that, and that's the way to go about it. I have zero problems with it. It's not like this. It's not like the big meathead, 260 pound, you know, can hardly skate scrappers coming back in any way, shape or form to say good luck to the guy after, you know, before a square up. So I'm fine with it. Uh, A little bit old school hockey never bothers me. I know it doesn't. Uh, is there a specific fight that comes up in your world? I know you've had plenty of them where it's like it was so staged, it was silly, but like you just loved it. Is there one that comes out to, to full memory of you? No, well, I don't know. I mean, there's this one um, before Mike Rupp. I had kind of Latang whacked me in the back of the legs as I was back checking. I turned around and kind of lifted my stick up between his legs, one handed, and he fell like I shot him, right? Just a complete <laughs> rat. So, um, the next uh, face off, Mike Rupp came out and he's like, Did you, you didn't spear him, did you, Rosie? And I was like, No, I did not. He fell like a pile of bricks. And he goes, I know, but we're still going to have to go. I said, That's fine. It was a TV timeout. So I'm kind of skating around waiting for that to end. And then before it came back, they had to go to another TV timeout because the the ice was all buggered up and the linesman. And I was like, oh, my God, this is taking forever. And, you know, just going through and you've already, you know, given the signal that we're going here in a, a matter of moments. And then it's got to drag on and wait and wait. It's it's an ugly feeling. You just want to uh, you just want to get going and, and get it over with. Vic, yeah, I can no. hear you back there rummaging like you. It's nobody's business. Holy moly. <laughs> building a brick house back there? Uh, you know, the listeners can't hear that, right? It's our producer in the background. But nevertheless, yeah, I think it's uh, it's intriguing. I think when you look at that from that perspective that you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for the scrap to happen. It just never goes down. And then you're like, I don't know. It's like, it must be a crazy mentality when you know you're about to, to scrap and it just, you're, you're waiting, you know? Yeah, it's ugly feeling, man. I, it's bad enough when, say there is some retribution game going on. It's very obvious. Like I remember getting called up. Yeah, I think I got called up one day when I was down because Carcillo was acting like a meathead. And I got called up from a road trip. We were down in Texas with the Marlies, had to get called up. Um, so as soon as that phone call hits, everyone's texting you, Oh, you and Carcillo and stuff. I'm like, I'm not sure Carcillo is going to scrap me, especially when it's so built up and, but that whole day and then that night, and then you go to pregame skate and then afterwards you go home, you take your nap. It's on your mind. You wake up, your alarm goes off time to put your suit on. You know, it's coming, you know, it's coming. Everyone's building it up. Your phone's blowing up. I'm going to make sure I watch that game. Are you going to fight so-and-so? It's like, good Lord, it takes forever. I hated game day. But, uh, you know, in that game, you, you get out it for some reason, they put us out there second shift and we scored and it was a non-issue. And that's usually the case when it's very, very built up. But, you know, waiting for those scraps is never ideal. I just love playing hard, getting in the corners, banging and crashing. Some guy doesn't like it. Spring load your shit and away you go. That's the best <laughs> way to do it and always has been. Well, I'm sure your teammates loved it. So it's great to hear that and great to see that. And having you as a teammate over the weekend in Jasper, I can attest to that. You you blew up some guy on Seattle, the Seattle team that we played. So uh, you set a tone out there. And I think that's where the team went on a bit of a hot streak in Jasper, that pond hockey tournament. So Dave Penyota is coming up in about uh, 25 or 20 minutes or so at the Leafs Nation 4-1 here on YouTube, where you could subscribe if you're watching right now. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button at the Leafs Nation 401. Leafs Morning Take. Wherever you find your podcast as well, make sure to leave us a review with a five-star rating. That would be fantastic. Brought to you by DoorDash. It's time for the appetizer. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off, up to $10 in value and zero delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more. 
When you download the DoorDash app, enter code NATION25. That's code NATION25, uppercase, for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Offer valid in Canada, subject to change. Terms apply. And I thought you put it perfectly as we were texting after the game. Very unleafy victory. That's usually what happens to the Leafs, but they found a way, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they did find a way. Um, it didn't look like they wanted to. You know, the sh- <laughs> to come out that way and get those shots. I mean, we know it's a defensively sound team over there with the Jets. They're, the numbers on them having three and less goals scored on them for 30, I, I get it. Um, you'd think if if any team would be able to crack them, it would be the firepower of the Leafs. They're offensively minded. They're offensively gifted. It's It's one of the things that they do have. Um, but they just couldn't crack it. And, you know, it wasn't a lot of scoring chances either way. It looked like both teams were tired. That's what I'm going to say. It is the dog days of January here. Both teams looked tired. Nobody had the explosive, you know, ability to just come out and just overwhelm the other team. Both teams were kind of stuck in the same gear. Um, you know, that two on oh, we can talk about. My Lord, I've never quite seen anything like that. But at the end of the day, when the... The chances came around. Sammy was there to help out. I really can't even think of a good scoring chance that the Leafs had the entire the entire game. Like nothing major. It's not like they were getting goalied. It's not like they were getting chances like crazy and just couldn't find the back of the net. There was like nothing going on. It was a very boring game. I'm just going to say it um, because both teams were kind of like I said, stuck in the same gear. That's fair. Um, there's so many different avenues we can go. Um, maybe we go with the start first and foremost like um and maybe not because we're playing the video of the save here so why don't we break that down first the save and um we can intertwine that into a conversation about benching some of the big boys in the second period like i think it's hilarious that in his entire tenure as a head coach of this team like that that's the moment sheldon keeps like i've had enough it wasn't a back check from marner and matthews on the power play that led to that two on oh and 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 that's the moment where keeps like you know what I'm going to make a statement here. I'm going to bench these guys on the power play. Well, something must have happened that shift to pull the certain crew off. And because obviously nobody knew who was going on to, to replace the defenseman. So that's what happens when there's normal expectations on who's going out. A coach will say, you know, back it off to, to make the, the regulars not go out there, but the new guys aren't really made aware that it's them. So I've played in like three leagues in 13 years of professional hockey. I've never seen a two on O breakdown like that. I mean, three things had to happen. You had to switch up the line so that nobody knew who was going out. Then you had to realize that nobody was able to catch the changing defensemen. No one was able to catch it quick enough for them to realize, holy shit, just someone jump over the boards. No one even was paying attention to the fact that no one was replacing the line change. And then once that was sorted out, the guy didn't bust his ass back into the defensive zone. Like three major things had to happen for that breakdown to go. And in the NHL of all leagues for a two on O from the red line with that much time and space and nobody even chasing them down. It's not like a couple of guys squirted by on a bobbling puck. There was nobody around. That was fucking beer league, man. I, I was in shock at what was going on. Had to, had to kind of 
rewind and figure out what the hell happened. But it was an odd, odd thing. And Sammy came up absolutely huge. They really botched that 2-on-0. But uh, lucky to keep it 0-0 uh, zero, zero after that for sure. That it was reminded lucky. me a lot of, um, remember that game a couple months back where Nylander collided with, I think, John Tavares and nobody really came back and the opposition scored the, the, the winner in that game? Like, it reminded me a lot about that. But... Watching the replay, I don't even know if Keith saw the two saves because he was laying into Matthews, took a bad change, and then like Marner did like one of those half turns. Like there's a fucking two on oh escape back. Like, and I like that there was some semblance of accountability. Like he didn't go as far as to bench these guys for a five on five shift. I think he hit them more where it hurts, and that's on the power play. Like he kept this guy's punting away power plays in a zero zero hockey game. Not to say that PP1's been good at all. The last eight games, they're one for 20, the least power play. But I thought it was such an interesting time in the season, in his tenure, uh, to pull that out. It just means uh, he's a bit desperate. He knows his job could be on the line, and he's had enough of this bullshit. Yeah, you'd, you'd think so, man. It's just, to me, it seems scattery. It just seems scattery, you know, and I wish we could watch practice because it'd be nice to know what kind of practice he's running, um, what the flow state of that is, what the what the attitude is at practice. But it's just like, you know, with going in with expectations and feeling like you got your stuff together, going into a game and then like, you know, 14 minutes left in the first period, we got new lines and stuff. It's like, good Lord, it just seems like he's... <laughs> kind of teetering on the edge and and not sure what to do. It doesn't seem like he's confident in his decisions. He changes them so quickly. And then to have that happen in that game, like you only got two games left in the next two weeks. You got to be ready. You got to have your energy levels high. You got to be prepared and you got to empty the tank. Both of those games, you're playing one of the best teams in the national hockey league, a very well-rounded um, club that, that complements each other and kind of has everything going for them, especially defensively. You think you would be going, okay, we get a break coming up here. We're professionals. We get paid a lot of money. We're in this market. We have not been doing great the last two weeks. We got Sammy back here trying to put some building blocks together. And then you come out with a lazy ass dick around fucking not back checking, looping and shooting. Who cares type of attitude. I'd lose my goddamn marbles. I would have lost my marbles on this group a long time ago. And it's that prima donna, like I don't have to work hard. You know, I, I I can't point my finger at Austin Matthews no. ever with the goal pace that he's on, but the other guys you sure can. And I mean, Austin, uh, yeah, you, you can get 65 goals this year, but like you are the franchise tag on this team. Are you going to be the guy that doesn't back check? Are you going to be the guys to play lazy the last couple huge games before the playoff break? You got to be the guy leading the charge you got to be the guy setting the tone you got to be the guys that guys look to and say shit i got to be like him you know you know it brings me to yarmar yager I, I went to philadelphia right after he left and like that guy was like 40 years old and you know there's guys like Braden shen out there who just you know yager has the ice before practice on his own where he's got his weight vest and weighted ankles on then he does practice then he stays out there for like 45 minutes after practice just working on shit and every one of those young guys could not get off the ice until he did. How could you justify it, right? Yeah. The, Austin Matthews being the leader of this team and and that guy for the for years to come here. In a game like that, how do you be lazy? How do you justify being lazy? Don't you hate getting picked apart by guys like us? Don't you don't you dislike being, you know, the the guy that says you're not good enough and you're one dimensional? Like, why wouldn't you just at least have your effort level there? And Mitch Marner goes without saying. So 
disappointing in that faction that during that game they did that. But I want to reiterate, they got the win. They got the W. It wasn't pretty, but they found a way to win against a very good team. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to hang your hat on the two points. Yeah, it's incredible to me how much the narrative changes if they lose that game, even in OT, right? Like, oh. it, it, I, yeah. I, it just, it's inexplicable to me, Rosie, watching the first half of that hockey game. And they're going to use, and maybe it's not even them. People are going to be like, they, the dreaded first game back from the four game Western road trip. Like, dude, Winnipeg was ready to play that hockey game. Like it was burn the saddle. Let's let's play Winnipeg Jets hockey. And the Leafs were playing like it was a fucking vacation in in Cancun, man. Like I, I was this close. I was this close to calling the police department here in Toronto and, and reporting a heist. Like Willie Nylander is playing like a six million dollar player. Like what has happened? I know it's a small sample size, two weeks, but this guy three weeks ago was controlling a hockey game. He gets paid. And all of a sudden, he's resorted back to the same bullshit that Leafs fans have gone crazy about in the past. Like, he has glimpses where it's like, oh, my goodness. He also has had way more lapses in the last three weeks than he had the entirety of the uh, the, the beginning 35 games of the season. It's scary to me, man. It is scary to me that you just committed that much money to this guy. Uh, well, I mean, people people don't like Leafs fans because they become negative. Nothing's ever good enough. They flip-flop. One day we're building statues. The next day we <laughs> want to tear it down to the studs. I get that, but I'm sorry. That's what this team gives you. That's why it is. like We have such highs where we look like if we play like that every night, we can't be beaten. And then we have such lows where it's like, does anyone have pride? Who's in control of this thing? Is there any accountability in there? What's the guys' commitment level to this team? That was embarrassing. And you look at William Nylander and the way he just took off this year was a stud, a force to be reckoned with every single night. His consistency was incredible, gets paid. And I'm sorry, but are we not supposed to talk about that? Are we not supposed, is it just a coincidence that he just whammo and how many games have been since he signed there? It's been enough to make a comment about it. He has gone MIA the second the pen touched paper. And there's a game last night where he could have taken control. He could have been the force. He could have been the leader. He could have swung the momentum in there and got everyone behind him and rolling those lines properly. He he hasn't shown me even a flash of what he had the first 35 games. And it just so happens to fall on the day that he puts pen to paper. The very next game, he was a ghost and has been so since. And we're not supposed to talk about that because the one glaring thing about signing that contract which I think everyone agreed you have to sign him you can't lose him he's proven like what do you let the guy go that gives you that you can't the only thing we were worried about was he's got a bit of a habit of kind of you know getting a little lazy when he doesn't need to be and he can get a chip on his shoulder and have an FU in his game and just light the tits off the league like he did but he's also capable of being lackadaisical out there and I'm sorry to say maybe it's a huge coincidence but all we can do is talk about what's happening. And he's been a, a ghost since he signed that contract, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. I love you. Cause you're real, man. It's truth. And I know Giovanni in the chat right now is saying, relax, Nick, but the, the sample size is big enough where it's like, man, like how do you go from that to this where you're inconsistent? You're so bang on a game like that. This is why we pay you 11 and a half sheets per season or we're about to, <laughs> it's because you're a game breaker you 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 take over hockey games like go watch Nathan McKinnon dude that guy's on a different planet right now where every night it's like three points four points four goals like 
And I understand maybe it's an anomaly of a season. Like he's going to win his heart trophy this season, but still you, you have to notice guys like that when you're paying these guys that much money, especially and specifically in games like that, you have to notice them. And I just haven't really noticed Nylander much since he signed that extension. Maybe it's a sheer coincidence. Obviously I will give him the benefit of the doubt. There's a lot of pressure now to perform after signing said contract, but I'm just calling it how it is. And I, I think it's fair to say that, Rosie. I really do. You know, I'm trying to be my best. I think we play both sides, but it, it's fair to call it out right now. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going back on the signing. I think you got to do it. it it's Great. what needs to be done. And, you know, he proved that he, you know, with his play, that he commanded that and put them in a position where they had to pay him. That's fantastic. But I, I, we do a show on the Maple Leafs every <laughs> single day. Are are you seriously going to say that we're not we're not going to touch that? Well, let's just not touch that. Let's not let's not bring up the fact that immediately. What is it? What has it been like? Seven games or six games or whatever since he signed that thing around that era? Not yeah. one time has he been a standout. Not one time has he been the dominant guy on the score sheet. Where almost every single game before that. He was. Are you telling me we can't talk about that? I'm sorry. I'm not doing my job if I'm not saying. How about this? This is a. This is kind of a little bit of a, you know, a, a, a shot of exactly what we didn't want to happen. The one worry we had. Not saying it's come true, but uh, anytime now here, anytime here, Willie, you want to do what you were doing before you signed that contract would be awesome, but not happening right now. So maybe that turns around. But the one thing I will say is that was a game where. You know, oftentimes the Leafs would, you know, say out chance a guy or outshoot them a team and then just get into, oh shit, you do what a goal gets called back or something rather. You can't get the power plays that night and you go into overtime and you just lose it on kind of a weird one, like just devastating. They got the two points. They found out the two points. This was a team where we thought we were going to have to have our best. We won without our best. And while it's not the way you would draw it up, it's not what we think this team's going to go forward with and have success with, but they did not have their best and they got two points against a very good hockey team, proven good hockey team. So on the positive side of things, you can say that, Hey, found a way to win. It wasn't a weird, it wasn't a game that you'd traditionally want to be in or, or expect this team to be in, but they got two points without their best. I mean, you can't, you can't argue that fact either. And I think that's why, you know, it's nice to have a different look at uh, at a show today because usually it's the same old bullshit. And that was just a an off the off the grid game, which, you know, we'll take the two points. No question. Let's not bury the lead either. Uh, the big story, Ilya Samsonov. Uh, it's it just it's incredible to me. Again, we're talking about a guy on January 1st was put on waivers and he was pretty much out of sight, out of mind. And now, like three weeks later, whatever it is. He's a talk of the town. They're chanting his name. It's so Toronto, but this guy deserves his flowers. I love the post game last night. It's the ultimate story of perseverance. A sample size now, three uh, starts since coming back. 2-1-0, one shutout. But, dude, he was unbelievable in that game, specifically in the first period where it was a complete no-show from the home side. Uh, he's the only reason why they won that game last night. Yeah, the score would have been different, and they had Leafs had no offense, no power play to speak of, and holy smokes, did they get the chances right? I mean, yeah. they're getting all the calls, and you'd think that uh, you'd think that the Jets were going to get a, a peeper there. They were uh, they were due for one. It was going to go the other way, and they get another one. The Leafs like fuck, could not capitalize on anything. Kind of 
you know, a bit alarming when that's supposed to be your bread and butter. When you got 60 million bucks on the first unit power play, you'd think that you'd be working around having chances out your ass. They had nothing going. And when you look at it close, the effort level wasn't there. Hence being benched on the power play, these, these stars. So that's frustrating to see without question, but Sammy absolutely bailed them out. That's the third start in a row that this guy has had a, like a game that you can rely on a game that makes you feel comfortable and safe. And, you know, from where that guy was at the beginning of the season, I, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Like he's a first rounder potential out the ass. Couldn't quite find it in Washington. We signed him last year. Everyone's thinking, why are we taking other teams reclamation projects? He looks fantastic. I mean, him and him and Murray were switch hitting it last year. Like who do we play? Like, then if one guy had a little bit of a hiccup time, the other guy was out out his ass. They switched hit fantastically. He kind of comes in, has a bit of a sophomore slump this season. Why did he start like that? I don't know. His head wasn't in. His confidence was shattered. Um, you, you give him some time off, some extra work. You know, he says the right things, goes out there again, gets shelled, like doesn't have it to the point where you can't put him in the crease, put him down to the Marlies where he doesn't even play or practice. Really. It was just like, a, I don't know, like a, a mental retreat, a reset, something of that nature. And it fucking works. He comes back. We put him in after finally the guy, the third stringer that we were lucky to have holds us in games and gets us some points and keeps us in it. Starts to feel a little bit of the effects of, of the run and starts to, you know, maybe ease off a bit. Okay. We're going to Sammy. This is basically make or break Sammy. If he has the same type of, uh, game that he's had all year and he doesn't have it and he's got no confidence and you know he lets in some stinkers and he he loses the game that's it for that guy in the maple leaf uniform man i mean that's it for him and holy shit he did the complete all he did exactly what you could have possibly hoped for he has stood on his head for three straight games most recently a shutout in a game where the guys in front of him aren't doing screw all so Fantastic to see him back. I really like Sammy. I think he can be a fantastic goaltender. The consistency is the only thing he needs to really work on. I like his interviews. I like his attitude. I think he's fantastic, man. I'm a big Sammy fan. And to see him, this resurgence, I it's it's as good as you could possibly have asked for. To me, it's good news all around from all perspectives. Uh, number one, the trade deadline's approaching on March 8th. They're going to have a uh, conversation to be had. They have three goalies and two roster positions. Unless you want to hold three goalies on a roster, it makes no sense in my world. And number two, they're winning games with them, right? So I think it's a win-win. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if I'd continue buttering up Samsonov and hopefully he continues to play well and he's a trade candidate and you can free up some cap. Like, we all know the conversations to be had if they do end up buying at the trade deadline 17 games before March 8th is like, how do you create cap space? Well, there's an option right there. It's positive news. Like, that's all I can draw. There's nothing negative I can draw from this story. And and his mental health is obviously a big story, too. It's great to see him back in the right place. He's not flying around in there. It just to me, it makes no sense how three weeks ago, this guy looked like uh, a Timbits goalie. Now, all of a sudden, you can stop a puck again. Like, it's insane to me. Well, it's that position, man. It's yeah. it's so volatile. And I mean, I, I've never played it before, but, you know, there's certain things out there that you can just lose. Like golf is one of them. I mean, a, the, the the best golfer in the world can go out there and shoot 64 one day and then can shoot 74 the next day. Like, how does that happen? It's just the way it is. Like, sometimes it's just not there and you can't force it. Things just aren't working. And I think I can that a lot to the, the goaltending position, too. Sometimes just from what you can see and you know i've i've had a, a 
hundred goalies that have been on my team who I watch every single day. And, you know, the spotlight's always on them because they're the only one in that position through games. And there's only one at each end in practices. And you, you see them every single day and you know what they're like and you can see their attitude and their confidence rise and fall. And when that when that leaves you, man, that is a difficult position. I mean, when nothing's going right and you can't find it, you lose your confidence, the fucking pucks just fill the yeah. net and it gets worse and worse. And it seems like the harder these guys try, the worse it gets. And then on the other side of that coin, sometimes... When they are hot, they are so hot. Like they're always in position. It's effortless. The puck's always hitting them. They have this confidence where it's just like, how is how is the puck going to do anything but hit me? I'm everywhere, and they just shine. So it's an odd position, man. But you know, it, it's not it's not unique to Sammy. These things happen, and to go up True. and down like that, certainly we we break it down and dissect it every day. But it's not new. It is a big difference from his bad to his good but that is what happens out there and all you can do is hope that he's found it this confidence is real and it's going to keep going and he's going to have a hiccup here if he continues to play where he doesn't steal the game it's not like this is magic and it's about not making a huge deal when that does happen keeping your confidence and realizing the position and and not being able to go back down that road again where he was and staying out of there. So that that's the next test for Sammy is when things aren't going perfectly, which is going to happen sooner than later, um, how he responds to that. Anyway, slice it. Uh, very positive, fantastic story that they got some saves from their uh, their goaltender, Ilya Samsonov. Nick Robertson, I thought was great last night again. Sheldon Keefe obviously loved him. He logged a career high, 1708. Sets up the winner from Austin Ooh. Matthews, four shots on goal. And we talked about this going into the game, especially without Tyler Bertuzzi not in the lineup. Those guys on the left side, like Nyes and company, and Robertson specifically, and Holmberg too, had to step up. And I thought Robertson had a great game. And and I commend Sheldon Key for rewarding him, right? He played a lot in the third period, and he got some shifts in OT, and obviously leads to the winner here. Yeah, for sure. He looked solid. He was kind of everywhere. I like his work ethic. I mean, a young guy that's trying to prove himself and and trying to say, no, no, remember that blue trip prospect you always thought yeah. I was I am that guy um, his opportunities maybe if you talk to him he, he's probably going to say he hasn't got um, the opportunities that he's looking for up and down the minors playing not playing scratched a whole bunch who's he playing with I'm sure he's, he'd have something to say about that um, but on a night where those big boys aren't going like where's Willie where's Johnny I mean Austin stood out a little bit Marner no like you know, a couple lazy shifts too, enough to piss Keefe off real bad to make a statement. And so there, there you are with Nick Robertson. Here's your minutes. Here's your ice time. Here's your opportunity. And he worked his nuts off. I, I was, I saw him all over the place and that, that last shift in overtime. I mean, he's right in the spot for Matthews mm-hmm. to feed him. He would have banged that home. I think huge overtime winner, huge night for Nick Robertson catches the skate of a guy. He stays on it gets it back to Matthews almost gets another chance and just I don't know if he stiffened up his hands there just it was a little ahead of him shit I lost it but man just to get the puck back then the poise he had along the half wall to you know that's that's tough in in overtime those two two on O's can happen anytime and he bounced it off the boards gains possession gets it to the right guy gets the hell off makes a really smart professional play for a young player that was unselfish smart and uh you know well thought out and took a lot of skill and composure to do it and gets in on the winner man he stood out for sure and you know if this guy's confidence starts getting high and he starts getting some trust of the coach this guy could make a difference on the lineup and he's he's showing that right now 
the pro Robertson crowd on social media had a full aubergine erect last night. Like they yeah, were fired up. It was boner alert on Twitter last night for Robertson. I get it, man. Like uh, if you can get production from that guy, especially a salary cap team, that's a, that's a bonus, isn't it? hundred percent. That's what you're looking for. You want to go deep yeah. in the, in the playoffs, man. Look at every team that wins the Stanley cup. They have guys on entry level deals, stand up big time. They have depth guys that stand up big time and you are not going to win a Stanley cup with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews being really fancy and really high octane offense. That's not going to win you a Stanley cup. That could certainly help you win the game sevens and, and get you on the board early and all those things, but shit, you got to have a deep roster, with lots of guys doing lots of different things and a guy like Nick Robertson standing up and showing that he's a stud on an entry-level deal is uh, is a big thing that these guys need for sure. Meantime, the following interview is brought to you by our friends over at Battlegrounds Axe Throwing. Unlock the ultimate birthday party, team-building event, or have a great date night with your significant other. To find a location and book an outing today, go to battlegrounds.com. That's B-A-T-L grounds.com. As you bring in the one and only for the fourth period in Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, it's NHL Insider. Oh, we do not hear Dave. So we're going to try to connect one more time here with Dave and get his audio and sorts here. But uh, looking forward to discussing, obviously, Sheldon Keefe and all that and his utilization, his deployment of some of these players um, on the roster. But yeah, Nick Robertson's a name that certainly came to the forefront last night. And you need those type of games, right, Rosie? Yeah, I mean, it's just a, such an odd game. I think I tweeted something like a very unleafy game or something like that. But I mean, it's nice that we're used to seeing this such I mean that the wins are the same the losses are the same it gets to be a bit of a merry-go-round following this team and that that was a, a game that was straight out of uh straight out of outer space like I didn't see that coming um was in shock the whole time the zero zero like and you look at the amount of times that this team has scored goals I think it's like 193 games with a goal where the next closest at Colorado is like 80 or something and then the next one's like 30 in a row like this team is heads and shoulders above anyone in the league I don't know what the actual record is but uh, they got to be closing up on it because they just never have a game like that where no one scored and I mean talk about a snooze fest from like the 2000s where it's 0-0 overtime like come on someone score a goddamn goal but you know, again, I got to hang my hat on the fact that they didn't have their best stuff and got two points against a huge team. If you would have talked about that on Monday and, and said, what's coming up down the barrel here on Wednesday, big game. I don't, I think you would have taken that. It's a zero, zero overtime win. You think, well, Sammy must be playing good. They must be playing good defense or whatever it is, but they got the two points. That's what's important. It is. And uh, looking forward to what transpires, of course, on Saturday. I think we're good to go with uh, today's guest, Dave Peñota. Dave, can you hear us? Yep, I got you. Sorry, boys. Hey, technology. Let's go, baby. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, how close is Sheldon Keefe to a nervous breakdown, in your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> My opinion or your opinion? Your opinion might be a little different. Um, yeah, I've caught nine for me, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, look, they, they, something, I mean, at some point, eventually we'll, we'll have to give it. Nice to get the win last night. Um, and, and you know, listening to you guys a little bit earlier with respect to skill versus the physicality tied to the game. I mean, there's only so much you can do with the assets you're provided. I, I think he's, you know, a good coach. Um, I, I just don't think the the recipe that he's working with, the ingredients that he's working with um, is going to I mean, look. First of all, it's going to you know, raise some questions and some eyebrows. Um, but I, I just don't think that the pieces that he's been dealt and the cards that he's been dealt 
if you put those all together, um, it, it makes for some questionable hockey every once in a while, given given the status that that the team is at. Yeah, what, what, what do you think the answer is? I mean, we're sitting here every day breaking it down. Obviously, this is a, a very heavy top-end team with yeah. some defensive problems. They've gone through their, their uh, goaltending problems. Is If it's more of the same the rest of the year, what do you call this team? What do, what do you want them to do at the deadline? Can they get it done in the playoffs? Like, wh- What is your thought process on where they're at right now, and what are they going to do in the future? They're a nice team, and that's kind of how I would categorize them. Um Look, there's there's no denying the skill set that they've got, um, but it's the other intangibles that have to come into play that we all know. And you guys just talked about those are what win you championships. So it, 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 if, if I mean, it comes from up top, frankly, um, and, you know, tree hasn't had that much of a window since coming in there. He's not going to tear things down right out of the gate. Um, he's got to assess what he has. And, you know, he's been looking, he's been calling, he's been making um you know, inquiries and, and seeing what's out there, both on the defensive side of things and also in kind of the mid to bottom six. Um, but, you know, speaking to people around the league, it hasn't sounded like the Leafs are overly eager to make a move right now um, and and aren't willing to give up the pieces necessary to, to get, you know, a Chris Tanev, for example. Um, what that means to me is that he's continuing and management is continuing to kind of sit back, assess what they've got and kind of, figure out if, if now is the time to go all in and whether it's posturing and it's a negotiation tactic by true living and, and the staff right now, still a little bit early, early to tell. Um, but based on the conversations around the league, I don't get the sense that they feel at least up top that this is their year. They're not a player or two away from, you know, chasing a Stanley cup legitimately. Uh, there, there are a few other cosmetic changes that are going to need to happen um, and it doesn't sound like they're there yet. So for me, this is a nice team. They're a good regular season team. Um, but you need those intangibles come playoff time that every team and every championship team over the last however umpteen number of years has had. So I'm conflicted on this, guys, because I, I think the easy rebuttal is like the Florida Panthers. They were dog shit for 70 games last year. All of a sudden, they find their groove and they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Like, why can't the mm-hmm. Leafs do that? And that's why I'm conflicted. Why can't a switch just flip with 15 games left and then go on a crazy run? Like, why can't they? They don't have a Matthew Kachuk, a Sam Bennett, Carter Verhage. Um, Radko Gudis was part of that group. So on and so on. And again, the, the and uh, it, it, intangible pieces. Like those, those balls to the wall. I'm going to do whatever the hell it takes. I'm going to run you over like a Mack truck caliber player that fits your top six and that complements your top six. They, they don't have that. And that's not the end all and be all. You have to have that blend. They have some of those pieces. They don't have the other pieces, not yet. Um, and I think that the thought process was Tyler Bertuzzi was going to be one of those pieces that Max Domi was going to be one of those pieces. Um, and, and they've had, good spurts throughout the season, but I don't think the physicality is there. And to me, honestly, guys, I wonder if that comes from the system, the structure, the coaching staff, maybe they don't want that type of system in place. I don't, I I don't know. I'm not, I'm not specifically sure on that. They have some of the pieces to do it, but I haven't seen much in terms of what those intangible pieces that guys like Bertuzzi and Domi bring. Um, And you brought in Ryan Reeves for a reason 
they don't want to play them. Well, I was going to say, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, you know, if you go back to the summertime, we know, we knew what the, what the holes were and what we were trying to yeah. fill. And, and you go out there and I mean, oh, we get Bertuzzi, we get Domi. And it's like, you know, people would blame tree leaving right now. It's like he went and did what he was asked. He, he put names on paper that are quality names. And then they come here and they do absolutely nothing. So how, like he doesn't have a crystal ball. How do you predict that? Tyler yeah. Bertuzzi is is going to be a ghost. He's not he's not talking. He has, he doesn't have any confidence. He's not chirping off. He's not a rat. He's not in the fight. He's just kind of there yeah. with a blank yeah. look on his face every single night. I'm like, where is the where is the flair in this guy? I thought that he's like one of these young guys that's coming up and being this dominant style of play, and it's just been non-existent. So how do you put that on tree living? It go it's in the locker room, right. if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. Like they, these guys came in with, I mean, you needed those types of players that have that fire under your ass kind of mentality from the drop of the puck till the final whistle. And it, we haven't, you're right. We haven't, we haven't seen that so far this season, not consistently. There've been some spurts here and there, but on a, on a game to game basis, it, it hasn't been there. And so for me, yeah, you, you can't predict that. That's not a tree issue. That's not, Shanahan that's not the rest of the management group um that comes down to in the room and and not exclusively to the guys on the ice I've got to think that again part of the coaching system uh that they have in place factors into how they're performing um to me it's not you don't just lose that overnight you don't just go okay well now I'm a part of the Leafs so I guess I don't have to play this way they signed you to bring that with you on a game to game basis and it hasn't happened. So yeah, it's in the room. It's, it's from the bench and it's the same story over and over again that we've had the last umpteen season, several seasons now consecutively for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Where's that, where's that fire? It, it, it always leads back to the same conversation about the same guys. They want to continue to pay. Nylander got his money and he like took a vacation. Now, like we talked about this earlier, a different player in the last two and a half weeks, Maybe just a sheer coincidence. Uh, Want to get your perspective on what happens next. Obviously, not, not to look too far ahead. John Tavares is struggling right now, but Mitch Marner is like the next big conversation we're going to have. And that started percolating like a month and a half ago. Where do you think that direction goes? They'll start those. Com- I mean, I'm, I'm sure they've had loose conversations to this point. They'll start to speed those up over the over the offseason, whenever the season comes to an end. He can't just like Tavares and, and anybody else with one more year left on their contract. They can't officially sign until July one, an extension. Um, but I think you learn from from what you saw and, and what happened with with Willie. Um, he, he banked on himself. He cashed in and. I, I, I think he's going to continue. Like he's, he hasn't, he hasn't just given up. Um, you know, he's out there, he's trying. It's maybe he's a little snake bitten and maybe he has taken his foot a little bit off the gas. Um, but I think they've, they've recognized that going into next season without an extension in place for at least number 16, I, I don't think they can do that. So I, I'm anticipating that those conversations to get heated once the summer rolls around, um, probably before July and and then see where it kind of goes from there. But it's going to be a big number. Um, it's going to be bigger than Willie's. And uh, that's just, that's just the nature of the beast. He's on pace for another 90 point season. That would be either hitting 90 or being on pace for it because of the shortened season for six consecutive seasons. It's hard to argue against the number, especially with the cap going up. Um, but again, it'll be, it'll be a big number. He's going to want more than Nylander and, 
Um, the, the Leafs, I think, already understand that. Do you think that this? Uh, do you think that the Leafs and you could say Dubas has put them in a position contract-wise with, you know, the guys they draft, who they bring in, what they give them after their their entry-level contracts, and you know, it just seems like we're pigeonholed right now to a whole bunch of high-end talent that's exactly the same, and you know, it's not exactly the only thing you need to win a Stanley Cup. Yet yeah. you can't really get rid of these guys. You, 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 even if you wanted to, the no move clauses and stuff are going to put the ball in their court. Like, do you see this team being kind of, you know, handcuffed in a way when it comes to free agency and what and the changes that maybe need to be made in order to get to a Stanley Cup run? Look, yes and no, Rosie. I think. Um, look, first of all, they, the, the Leafs are just kind of a little ahead of the trend where we're going to see four or five guys on a team making eight figures. Um, that's going to, that's going to continue. That's going to climb. There are going to be more teams that are going to be in that boat. Um, some teams are a little more fortunate because let's say, you know, some clubs in the U S have no state tax. Um, so teams like Florida kind of, you know, Tampa, they, they, they take advantage of it and as they should, it's the loophole and good for you. It is what it is. Um, but from Toronto's perspective, look, going into the summer, they, they've got a decent amount of cap space to kind of play with, even with, um, you know, Nylander's contract kicking in next season. The cap is, is going to go up 5%. It's anticipated and projected to go up another 5% the year after that. So when, you know, guys like, like you know, Marner and, and Tavares, when their next deals kick in, the cap will be, should be, is projected to be around $92 million. So you've got, you're going to have some cap flexibility to, to make additions and make moves, including this offseason. Um, but, you know, the, those guys that we're talking about that bring, like there's no Matthew Kachuk that's going to be available in the summer. You know, not, not, not as an unrestricted free agent. So to go after a top tier guy and have to give him, you know, 10 plus, that, that brings that physicality to it, that, that you know, is, is that power forward with, with offense – off the top of my head, I don't think there are guys that are readily available as free agents going into the summer that, that bring all of those elements. So you have to look at, at the other pieces. So to pay these four guys that much up front, I still think there's enough in the tank and in the bank um, for them to, to make the right pieces. I don't have the full free agent list in front of me right now, but um, you know, there, there are going to be some players that are available that, you know, bring that, that, that gritty element to it that can, contribute as part of a top six. Um, so I don't think they're fully handcuffed, uh, but I mean, you know, with, with relatively limited cap space in terms of the overall spectrum, it does make, you know, some decisions a little more challenging than others because you've got to allocate that money to one or two guys versus let's say four or five. Yeah. Spoiler alert. There's not much out there in terms of free agency, but I just wanted to ask you like leading up to the deadline, there's still 17 games remaining for the Leafs. As you talked about earlier, it makes the most sense to take a wait and see approach with this team. But are there some players you've identified that could make a lot of sense? I know Tanev's name's been out there for a couple months. Is there anybody else who you think could make sense for this team? I think there's interest in Sean Walker um, in, in Philadelphia. Um, Labushkin again out, out in Anaheim. Uh, Walker's an interesting one. I, I know they've had conversations. Um, I, I know they spoke about um, both Walker and Nick Sealer. Um, I, I think there was an offer that was presented that was rejected. Um, and I think there was an offer on the table for, for Chris Tanev. And I don't think, and I, I know Calgary rejected that one too. So, 
it's not that like the Leafs have certainly identified pieces that they want to go after. And, and they're also looking up front. They're also, as I mentioned earlier, mid six, um, you know, mid to bottom six is, is another area that they want to improve upon. Uh, but you've got to be economically sound to do it. They don't have a ton of cap space. They don't have much cap space at all. So anything impactful and significant is going to not only require most likely retention, like in Tanev's situation that, that Calgary would effectively have to eat half that deal. Um, but they're also going to have to take back money or you get a third party involved and you got to pay extra. And, and I don't get the sense that the Leafs are in that position right now or have that type of appetite right now to give up too much. They don't have a second round pick. Um, the assets are, are, are limited, you know, teams that like some of their young players like Minton, for example, they, they don't want to part with. Um, and you're not giving that up for a rental either, especially under the circumstances in which you're playing right now. So the Leafs are looking, um, but I think this is a due diligence type of process, collect all the info. All right, here's a little offer. Let's see if you'll accept it. Uh, I don't think they're serious yet. It's fair enough, but I, I still think it's the definition of insanity. Like they had the perfect trade chip at the deadline. His name was Willie Nylander, and they're just going about this the wrong way, in my opinion. You just continue to do the same shit year after year after year, and that's why you continue to fail. But nevertheless, we'll continue this conversation next time we speak. Thanks so much for this, Dave. You got it. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Dave. Dave Pena, the fourth period in Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. It, it, it's always fascinating to get outside perspective. You and I, Rosie, do a show on a daily basis. And I I just, I can't commit to like paying those guys. Like I, And they're going to do it. But it, there's so many flaws on this roster. It's like, why wouldn't you want to allocate some of that money if it's a JT, if it's a Marner now? And it just doesn't get the feel they're going to do that. I feel like they're going to fucking be like, hey, Mitch Marner, you want 12 and a half. Here's 12 and a half in an eight-year deal, and we're going to try to win with you. Like, is it not insanity to you, too? Well, I know, but put yourself in Tree Living's position where he's making phone calls, getting a sense of what's out there. And if you don't get, like, to put that together, takes it's not like he has four yeah. different options on things to do with William Nylander. He, he might have, like, one and a half. Sign him, or maybe this team's kicking the tires and could maybe take them off your hands, but what is your return and what would be the response in Toronto to making this move? And all of a sudden you're known that is a label making move for, for tree living to say, you got rid of William Nylander when he was hotter than a friggin' pistol. He had just hit his stride. He showed you, he said he wants to be here. He put up X number of points and X number of games and you traded him for what? You know, that's that's yeah. a very likely scenario because it's not like you can just go out there and be like, oh, well, there's this uh, Nathan McKinnon type player right here that a team's willing to deal for William. Ne like, no, man, it's it, yeah. it. You're only as you're only able to do what is on the table. And I, I just don't think that he could, you know, work the phones enough to find a deal that makes sense where it's like, yes, we use this blue trip, blue chip player in William Nylander who's playing well. We moved him out to someone who gave us the world in return, everything we needed, everything we asked for and made our team well-rounded. We had a, a stud leader, power forward, and a real stud stay-at-home, rugged defenseman for William Neal. Like, who's going to give you that? It, it, that's yeah. what you would have made a deal for, and I would have been all for it. But it, it it has to be on the table, and I just don't think that stuff's on the table these days, and hence why you're you only have one option to sign yeah. them. And, yeah. you know, they've got themselves in this position where you have 
you know, these 10 plus million dollar guys who are all the same type of player who all can put up wicked points, but you keep running into the same problems of having a really lopsided team and, you know, and you can't really fix your problems because you pay all those guys the same amount of money. And when it's a game where, you know, your big skill and flashy offense isn't going to be there. Holy smokes. Do you look like garbage and people are, you, you, you lose ugly games and people are pissed off and guys like us are saying, this is fucking unacceptable. And then you're going to have your games where all those guys are firing all cylinders and it's a highlight show. And it's just, it's the, it's more of the same. And because you're painted yourself into that corner, I don't see an easy way out of it. I would love to move Mitch Marner and his, his prowess and his reputation and his ability to someone who really needs that. But you know, it would have to be one of these blockbuster three team deals where some picks and prospects are moving around and some retained salary cap and a type of deal where you look at it and you go, I can't even keep track of how this all works, but the big boy that went away, you got everything you desperately needed in return. And that's the only way I see this team, getting out of you know this one-dimensional funk that they have been in for years and years where it's just not a team built for the playoffs and they consistently don't get it done in the playoffs for that reason and people get mad at that but it's a reality man this team's not a power not a, a playoff powerhouse they're just not it's like uh, they're chasing their tail and that's why the frustration today i just watch games like the winnipeg one i know they won i'm trying to stay positive i'm, I'm very positive at times but sometimes i watch that and i'm like <laughs> they're nowhere close to, to to the objective and that's to win a stanley cup the botano wrap-up is presented by botano.ca the game starts now 19 plus please play responsibly i like uh, the islanders to beat the montreal canadians tonight at the bell center uh patrick waugh now with the owls making another return there so i think they take care of business and i'll throw this out there just for you i like the johnny goodrow shot prop columbus visiting the calgary flames tonight he has two assists in three games so far against calgary i think he's going to be horny to score tonight yeah why not those uh those little storylines tend to pan out a lot you think he'd be buzzing i'm sure he will uh I'm sure he will very <laughs> he he'll be very well aware of the situation. He'll want to stick it up the flames ass as much as humanly possible. So I'm sure he will put in the hammer down, shooting all kinds of rubber at the net, the shot prop. I wonder if it's juiced or not, but it's a it's a good idea to go to. I like it. And Patty Waugh coming back to the Bell Center, you said? Oh, baby. Yeah. That'll yeah. be fun, I- man. Lots lots of history in that city, obviously. We were in Jasper when that went down over the weekend. I'm still stunned that Patty Waugh is now the head coach of the New York Islanders. But uh, you're not going to be here tomorrow. You're not going to be here on Monday. We get closer and closer to the All-Star break and a lot of festivities for uh, our family, the Nation Network family, Leafs Morning Take as well. And we're going to do some stuff, some live shows as well. So stay tuned for the latest on that. But uh, just what's your breakdown? What are you looking forward to over the weekend? Because next we speak will be on Tuesday. So there'll be another game and then they'll be on their bye week slash All-Star break. Yeah, interesting, man. I mean, I want them right now to be analyzing last night. And I mean, if you can play like that and pull off the W, I mean, if you can get a a two-game sweep against the Winnipeg Jets going into the All-Star break, I mean, what more could you ask for? I hope they're in in major preparation mode for Saturday night. Um, Find a way to beat this team. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think they're going to be, you know, going back to their barn. They're going to be excited. They're going to be mad they didn't win that game. They probably thought they deserved it. And they're going to be a very hard test for the Maple Leafs. And 
you know, when you go into a big break, it is such a different attitude to do it after a big win than it is to do it after a disappointing loss. So that's what I'm looking forward to this week. Get that W on Saturday, and then you can kind of have a little reset, focus on the All-Star game, have some fun. Some guys will take off to the Bahamas and be with their wives and children, mm-hmm. and it'll be a great little reset for everybody. But it's nice to do it going in with a W. It's a very leafy, like, again, you can't lose sight of the fact that it was Laurent Boissois who played for Winnipeg and almost shut them out. And I wouldn't be stunned at all if the Leafs come out against the Vesna favorite right now and Connor Hellebuck on Saturday lay four or five on this guy. You just wouldn't. I mean, that's been the story with this team against the uh, lower tier goalies. We'll call them. They're not as good as when they are against the best goalies in the planet. They, they've, they've lit up the good goalies. I mean, that's not the issue with this team, but... Uh, Nonetheless, looking forward to we to, to seeing uh, what happens over the weekend in Winnipeg. Rosie, thanks for this. We'll talk on Tuesday, buddy. You bet. Good weekend. Go Leafs. Go. Big win. We are positive. Don't worry about that, everybody. We're happy with the W. Let's get another one. It's okay. We had uh, we cover things from all avenues. I should mention as well, Matt Larkin of Daily Faceoff will fill in as my co-host tomorrow, so make sure you tune us at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Everybody in the chat, you guys are fantastic, giving different perspectives. I've been reading uh, quite a bit on what you guys are saying, and you hit the nail on the head for the most part at the Leafs Nation 401 on YouTube where you can subscribe, Leafs Morning Take, wherever you find your podcast as well. Thank you to producer Vic, and uh, thank you to our guests today and Dave Peñota, the fourth period in Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. That's Shay Rosell. I'm Nick Alberga. Talk tomorrow. Take care.